This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Joanne Wojtek. Joanne is the Program Director for NASA Soup. That's one of the government-wide IT GWACs out there that are authorized by the Office of Management and Budget, and uh, a very successful one, I might add. Um, this past fiscal year, NASA Soup saw a 40% growth in overall uh, purchases by customer agencies under the program, uh, growing to $9 billion just this past fiscal year. So, Joanne, first of all, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, and congratulations on on a fantastic, incredible uh, fiscal year 2020. Right? Yes, yes, FY20. Yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you for having me here, and uh, yes, thank you for the um, for the nice words. Um, we're very excited, and as I always say, a little scared. It's a lot of money. We but we feel the great responsibility of making sure we do the best with what we have been given. So. Right. And well, you know, I want to talk a lot about all the things you're doing around your customer and your industry partners. Um, so how long now, how old is NASA Soup? It was like the first government-wide contracting vehicle, if I recall, yes. back in the early 90s, I think, something like that. Yeah, February of 93 is when the, uh, the Soup 1 awards were um, was signed and started. Um, so we're into uh, 27 years. Um, yes. So you're gonna have a big anniversary here in a few years, right? <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, we did have a big party for 25. I don't know. Yes, I recall that. Yes. <laughs> and right now, currently, can you talk a little bit about how many companies you have on the contract and what's the breakdown between small or other than small businesses? Um, so we have um, 141 companies with 200 different contracts. Uh, some of them have multiple contracts, and 118 of them are small businesses. We've always found ways to be supportive. It was a little different in the early days when we had eight companies and maybe six of them were large companies. Uh, but um, in the more recent years, as we've grown and, and how we operate, um, been very supportive of the small business groups. Um, and as a note, note about small businesses is 81% of the dollars through Soup 5, in the, which is five and a half years in, have gone to small businesses. Right. That's Yeah, that's a great record. And and just in terms of products versus services, can you talk a little bit about that? So um, through Soup 4, through the first four soups, we were primarily product-oriented. We did try to start shifting in Soup 4 to some solutions, and, and we did, in fact, changed our name to Solutions for Enterprise-Wide Procurement to emphasize that piece of it. But with Soup 5, we made a um, conscious decision to increase services offerings um, to include almost any type of service that you can tie to a product. That's a pretty broad statement. Um, so um, we always allowed for you know, the basics like warranty and installation, but now you hire an engineer to work on your networks, um, not, not just for maintenance, but actually um, ha- have a continuing service relationship with the company. So that has increased our, that's part of our, our, our growth has been that, that increase in usage because services are now available. 
Right. Is cloud services part of the package? Yes, yes, cloud services. So so the so the overall scope of soup is if it's IT, it's in scope. That's that's <laughs> the bottom line. Um, if it's hardware, software, cloud, if it's communications, it's in scope. Um, any type of communications from radios to phones to um, satellite communications um, to some very interesting communications that go on out there. Um, that's all in scope. And then the and then the last big piece of the puzzle is um, audiovisual. Anything in the audiovisual world is also in scope, including all the video conferencing and teleconferencing. Of course, I'm seeing a lot of um, that with the COVID and, and people buying more software for support of that. Yeah, so there's power and simplicity. So you got, I, you know, if it's IT, which is in scope, that works for me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so again, you had a fabulous year this past year. And I wanted to get into like just your thoughts on what, what do you attribute that, you know, the growth year in and year out and particularly this past year, um, what do you attribute that consistent growth uh, pattern to in terms of the program? So um, just said uh, where we're at, we've been at, we've been going about 25% a year. So it's not unusual for us to grow. 40% was bigger than we've done in the past, but, but still um, it, it has been a steady one. So and, and it's been steady from, I've been involved from the beginning and, and we've always grown every year that soup has existed. All 27 years there's been growth involved. And it's because we are very simple, but not always easy to follow through view. And that is, um, we're here for the customer and that's it. You know, we're not here to make money. We're not here to grow. We're not here to, to solve uh, something outside of what we're here for. Um, we are here to serve the government customer and to make it as easy as possible for industry to work with government and vice versa. And, and that formula seems to work and, and people come and use us and, and we, we keep, we, we keep adding to it. It's not, and say it's simple and people come to us and we say, well, can I just do what you do? I'm like, yeah, give yourself 20 years, build up the you know, facility, <laughs> the, the, the hardware, the software, the staff, and then you can do what we do. So it, there's a lot of complexity behind that, that simple statement. Um, a lot of the growth is simply that more people, you know, hear about us and, and use us and they're always surprised or often surprised. I won't say always. Um, there's always some outliers who aren't, but often surprised by how customer service oriented we are, how fast we are in what we do, how responsive we are and how knowledgeable the staff is and, and the tool sets that we provide that all combines to um, good news for the, for the folks who are looking for a way to get to ID and not having to go through some of the hoops they have to go through. Um, on their own without a vehicle like ours. Right. The streamlined ordering process. Yes. Um, so who, who are your biggest customers or just has, how does your, you know, profile of customer base look? So um, DOD, uh, they have the money. Right. <laughs> so they're number one. Yep. Uh, clearly. They're everybody's number one, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so whether you put, take them as a whole or, or in pieces, um, that is the fairest number two. And, and those two have been one and two. For as long as I can remember, um, we have been supportive of that and very proud of our support from the VA. Um, Justice Department, State Department, very large customers of ours, Treasury, Commerce, a lot of the major ones. Uh, one that has jumped up, one of the reasons we have grown, um, well, there are two agencies in particular that have, have increased. One of them is part of DOD, that's the Air Force, and the other is uh, Homeland Security. So one other thing to note is that every single government agency uses our contracts. So we're not, even though I'm naming a few of them, I could keep going. And, right. and, and you can name every cabinet level agency and pretty much every committee organization, we um, are, 
pretty much, and GSA are the two uh, contracts that every government agency has usage of on a regular regular basis. That means that we also, when we talk about growth, we have to be responsive to every possible agency. We're not trying to just be right. working with DOD. We're not just trying to be there. We have to make sure that what we do is flexible enough for everybody. And of course, NASA. I, I, I didn't mention them. They, you know, we are we're a NASA group, um, and we are getting more support through NASA than we've had before um, in terms of, of um, they've made some organizational changes, and they're going to be. They did leverage us more in the past year, and I think that's going to continue on also. So we we are very happy with that because um, NASA, of course, is our home home right. place. Right. right, and GSA uses you as well. Right. GSA is, is, is just a little bit below NASA in terms of usage. Some of it is internal GSA and some of it is their, um, their federal services. Um, their assisted services? Yeah, assisted services, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and we often get that question from our, our customers, you know, because you know, we don't do assisted services in soup. So we'll get that question, well, how, you know, can, I, can I rip you money? And our answer is no. Here's GSA and, and also DISA, who's, who also right. does assisted services. There are two main assisted services. Um, and there are a few other ones that, that, that do it, but those are the two main ones. Right. Well, and part of customer satisfaction is your fees are low. And I think, are you, again, lowering your fees, yes. to, you know, for the current fiscal year? Right. So are we, we have, as I mentioned, we don't do this for the money. <laughs> I like making money in the sense that I can then use it to make us be better. And we have increased our staff and what we do. But, but we also continuously look at how much we're getting in, in in those fees and how much we can reasonably use to assist our customers. And if we're getting in more than, than we can use, um, we lower the fee. And a little history that we recently started at 2.6%, and that was the lowest fee in the government in 93. Um, we, we are now down to 0.34%, 0.34% um, as of October 1st. So we dropped from 036 to 0.34. Um, in light of that growth that, that we talked about, it, it you know we want to make sure that we're doing more, but we're also giving back to the customers who use it so Right. So, and Joanne, we're right up on the break. So um, when we come back, I want to continue sort of talking about that customer focus and a lot of the very innovative and interesting things that you and your team at NASA Super are doing with regard to providing customer support and, and support for your industry partners as well. My guest today is Joanne Wojtek. She is the program director for NASA Soup. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron, and my guest today is Joanne Wojtek. Joanne is the program director for NASA Soup, and, and NASA Soup is coming off, you know, I guess it's, you know, record year in terms of the customer agency purchases through the program at $9 billion, 40% increase year over year. And I guess this segment, this dive a little deeper into your customer support. And, you know, the, the first thing I want to talk to you about is just get that sense of how you guys, your strategies, your approach, your day-to-day support and manage your contract holders um, so they can continue to provide the, you know, the great support that, and service they do to the federal customer. Yeah, so obviously we start with the government customers, but as I mentioned, it actually is part of our, our, what we provide the government customer is that we sit between them and, and industry. And I see our, main, our one of our main jobs, if not our main job, is to be that information conduit between the two. So we're not trying to insert ourselves in. And, and why is that good for our customer? Because then they get to decide how they want to interact and what they need. And, and we're not trying to 
force them into a, a pattern. And I think what has made soup successful over 20 some years is that we actually have a philosophy that, that, that filters through all the entire staff, but, um, you know, the customers first, the customer is important. Yeah. Responsiveness. Um, we measure ourselves in, in hours now and, and not even in days in terms of response. Um, so just being there for our customer, we always have people checking to make sure that, that if, if the question is too complex, that the right person gets to it quickly. It's not going to sit there for a while. Um, multiple people are always on that because every staff has that built into their, their, their being. Part of how we hire people is, are you going to come to us and have that customer orientation? So staff is, is number one, providing the, the tool sets, always looking for ways to improve how we interact with them. Um, also helps that interaction. And then building a, a relationship with industry is important because, as I said, we're a conduit between the two. And if we just take the view of we're here for the government and not industry, we're not going to understand how they operate either way. Um, so we want to understand both how the government works and how industry works. Um, we were one of the first vehicles many, many years ago to have a contract total relationship management team, which has become more important with 140 companies. But we also deal with 8,000 providers. These are original manufacturers and service providers. So we have an industry team now that we just started that a year or so ago, which is um, tied specifically to those 8,000 companies to talk, not to talk to each one of them individually, obviously, but to be there to interact um, when they have questions and, and understand them and where they're coming from, because they don't have a contract doesn't mean they're not important in the supply chain world and how, how all the customers can get what they want. So when a customer comes to us, they're going to get the full breadth of support from what they need to get done from the technical side, the procurement side, and, and how is industry going to respond from the contract holder side and the actual manufacturer or service provider. All right. All right. So do you sort of see yourself, I mean, you're obviously facilit you're a facilitator in a certain sense, right? That bridge between government and industry. It's almost like you, you, you create a market that you help in a certain sense, manage or provide that facilitates the ability to do, um, you know, pretty, I'm not, I hate to use the word frictionless, but I guess I will, uh, you know, <laughs> task orders, yes. um, uh, competition and, and ordering for, for your customer. And how do your, your industry partners view the program from, from that perspective? I think that's part of our success because because we're not there to tell industry how to operate either. I mean, I I I, I sometimes argue with my government customers about something. They'll just say, "Well, why doesn't why don't you make industry do X?" And it's like, well, that's not how industry operates. And if I try to make them do X, they can do it, but it costs them money, and therefore it's going to cost you money because they're going to have to charge more. So, do you really need to do this, or should you do it the way that, that industry works? And I I've always been in government, so I can't say I always know industry, but I hire for that. That's what I have staff for. And, and, and quite a few number of my staff comes from industry because I want them to, I want us to know how industry operates, what drives them, what makes them operate in, in, in the most efficient way. And, and I say I, but by I, I mean the entire staff can then interact in a, in a knowledgeable way about both sides of the equation. Um, and so I, I feel like we do build a really good relationship with, um, with those companies because we we are there to understand them and not tell them how to, how to run their, their business. Right. So, and part of that too is, is, and it sounds like you're doing in the sense you have that industry team, but you know, you mentioned in the first segment that the scope of the contract is it. Right. Well, that is a broad scope. 
but it's an ever-changing scope too, right? It's, as technology evolves um, and, and changes over time. So how do you sort of manage that, staying ahead of the curve or, or on the wave of technological change and ensuring that the companies who offer that, you know, as well as your customers who want it, you know, can interact through your contract vehicle? Well, so the first step is when we, when we do the an iteration of, of the soup contracts, um, we try to make sure that, that the scope is stated up front to be as broad as 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 needs to be. And well, and it's an interesting technology is a whole nother topic. <laughs> um, to me, having, and I come from the technology side of, of, of the world. Um, in some ways, it's, it changes all the time. And in some ways, it's exactly the same. Um, you know, you talk about cloud and, you know, cloud seems like oh, a fairly new idea. But back in the day, I remember having an X Windows uh, terminal. And basically, I was working in the cloud. I just didn't call it that back in the seventies um, and eighties. So terminology changes and the technology that drives it changes in how it works, but the basics of what you're doing is it still remains the same. So we're able to keep the scope relatively good. Um, we do have some scope that people want and we don't cover. Like we don't have drones, for example, we, we, we are often asked about that. Um, it, it was not put into the original scope. I can't, I can't connect it. Will it be connected in the next version? Don't know. We'll, we'll have to decide that. Um, so there are some technologies like that. Um, the other piece that, that makes us operate, though, is that we are very, um, we have a process for adding products and services that allows for a quick turnaround. Um, we change 11,000 items a day on our contract. And on average, it's less than an hour to make a change. Um, assuming everything is that is being added is in scope, priced correctly, and described well, it's going to get on fairly quickly. If it's not one of those things, then it won't get at it. So, um, so it does. It does require a process, um, and we have a lot of pieces that make that process work. It, there's a lot that goes behind that, both technologically and, and from the human point of view. But it's a very key part of our ability to make sure our customer gets what they want, and not just what what was set up, you know, six years ago when the contracts were started. Well, eleven thousand. How 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 eleven thousand items? When a day? Did you a day? Wow. So in that in that context, you have you must have a, an automated system or something that supports that effort. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's I mean, that's that's remarkable to me. You know, just thinking about other contract vehicles and the fact that you really are reflecting the market when things because do things change that much? Well, they change, but they, they again, they don't change as much as all that. So so for, you know, you know there is an, it's a semi-automated process. Um, there is a lot that goes on before any human sees what's being responded to that, that filters out issues, lets us know, like if something's on 10 other contracts and it's the same price, it's really easy to add that. <laughs> if something's on 10 other contracts and a very different price, well, then we have to spend some time looking at it. Um, and, and this and the system flags those sorts of and many other pieces of, 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 of uh, concerns that, that we might have. So we're only concentrating on on those things that don't match what should easily go on the contract. Um, and if they don't, then then we do exclude. Not everything that is asked for gets on the contract. Um, it has to be right or, or it doesn't. And so, yes, it's speedy, but we actually have more control and more insight into the contract than I think anybody who takes months doing it because we actually are looking at every line item. And we are actually having it either automatically or and or by human 
looking at price and clinic yeah. and part number and provider and all those pieces are looked at and made sure that they're correct before they can get added. Yeah, that's 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 pretty impressive. But uh, Joanne, we're already up on the break. Um, so when we, when we come back, I mean, you're doing a lot of customer focused stuff as well. And, you know, one of the things I want to start the conversation with the next segment is the CIO portal. And what what is that? And talk a little about that. And we'll talk about some of the other things that, that you are that you're doing on the customer side. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Joanne Whitech. She is the program director for NASA Soup, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Joanne Whitech. She's a program director for NASA Soup. NASA Soup just finished up at, finished up FY 2020. Uh, with $9 billion in sales, uh, about a 40% increase over the previous year, um, continuing its um, long-term growth over the life of the program. Um, again, Joanne, congratulations on that. And, um, you know, it's not by accident that these things happen. And your, your program's been very innovative in, you know, your approaches to managing the contracts and, and also your customer focus. And uh, I know one of the things that you've launched is uh, called the CIO portal. So I want to hear more about that. And we'll talk about some of the customer initiatives that you're, that you guys have, are working on or have in place or planning on putting in place. So CIO portal, what is that, Joanne? So back through soup four, when somebody would ask me, uh, what, what's happening on soup? Like, yeah, what's being bought? I am, my answer would be, I don't know. And it was very specific, uh, uh, plan on our part to not know anything about what was going on at the at the order level and, and other than the dollar amounts. Um, and when we were approaching Soup 5, I went to the Goddard CIO at the time and said, you know, would you like me to track all this stuff for you? And his eyes lit up and said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we changed our, our approach um, with Soup 5, and now we track everything um, and, and that a CIO could want that we, can, that we are able to. Um, you know, we still are limited by what we know. We don't have direct input into, uh, you know, the financial systems and the, and the ordering systems, but we do see every order and, and we do have information and flow between ourselves, our customers and industry that tells us a lot about them. So, so from the beginning of Super 5, which was uh, five and a half years ago, we've been offering and, and more and more agencies are taking us up on providing a regular reporting of, of what is being purchased by their agency. And in the past uh, few months, we have um, put it, put together a, a online system so they don't have to ask us for those reports and get a spreadsheet. They can now go on and graphically look at what's being bought, you know, who's buying them, what, you know, how much, how much is going through our system from, from their agency. Um, they can pull up orders, um, I believe, um, certainly the order information that we have trying to give the CIO that, that insight that Fatara and, and other requirements are, you know, want them to have. Um, and when we talk about growth, there's another reason for our growth. Um, you know, it's nice to have the CIOs want, to, want people to use us because they know that they can then get that information that may not be available elsewhere. It's, I mean, that really is something that I think is quite powerful, understanding what you're buying, which you know, often in government, right, cross agencies, you know, people are duplicating efforts or, you know, you really don't get a get the handle on at least when I was in government like exactly knowing what I mean what the right hand was doing versus the left hand so um, yeah, I, 
I also think point out the other the the beginning part of that is is the agency catalog concept that we started with Super Five, which is even before the ordering comes, the or a procurement head or whoever is dealing with with what products they want to purchase, and they can say, I want these products to be put into a place where my agency go to and buy from. So NASA, for example, has a list of products that have been been vetted by the CIO for purchase. So we now have a place that anybody asks can go to and buy, and they don't have to look up whether those items are vetted or not. Those items are are on our, our system as NASA vetted items, um, you know. And so an agency can can set that up. So even before it's being before the purchase occurs, they have some control and insight into what's happening. And we also have one agency now who gets um, reports on RFQs that are out there for their agency. So it's not just a post order. Insight. We want to help those CIOs and other other decision makers um, have access to information. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so, some other things you're doing. So, can you tell? You know, there's customer odyssey team, and also, you know, you're creating some liaison because customer liaison positions. Well, what are right. those two initiatives about? So, the customer liaison um, occurred. Um, we we you know, we, we used to be a very small staff. And so in dealing with the entire government, we would, you know, pretend like, like every agency, we had one person working with them, but they were probably working, you know, we all, we work, work with everybody. Um, the nice part about growth is I'm able to put some staff resources into agencies that have a specific need or a very increased need um, for support. Um, I mentioned Homeland Security, for example, um, you know, very large agency, lots of pieces to it so we uh, they were actually the first liaison we, we put together we now have a NASA liaison although in some ways we had it before it's now official that is there to help with things like like the catalog concept I just talked about for NASA so not not every agency um, with 100 some different types that we have out there will we'll have a one-to-one but focusing some of our customer support to not just be the broad anybody call anybody but if you're from a certain agency um, you might have a, a, somebody who's more knowledgeable in that arena. And as we grow, I'd like to grow that concept. So, so we know more about those, those agencies that have, especially their unique ways of working. Okay. So on that, the, that's the customer side of things. And what the Odyssey team, can you talk a bit more about that? Uh, my, you know, my background, I said it was technology, but I've always been a customer-focused technology person. That's, that's how I started out at NASA from the very beginning. I, my customer was a scientist at the time. As I, as I looked at where web interfaces were going, including our own, I realized a year and a half or two ago that things haven't changed that much in the past 20 years. And what we're doing now is not that much better. And I just felt that there had to be something better out there not both technology-wise, but also in terms of like psychology of how customers operate. Um, what is it that, that, that drives a customer to understand what's on your site and how do you better interact with them so it's clear what's going on? You know, we, we think when we put something on our site that is clear to people and then they ask a question that's like, I don't understand how they didn't catch that. So we're missing something. We, we, have, um, we have lots of information which they like, but we have too much information which they don't like. So how do we how do we marry that? How do we provide the best interface and not the one that people are doing now? That's what we can do with our current team. My question is, where are we going to be five to ten years from now? What is it that we can start working on now that will really touch on again technology, but, but psychology and, and 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 the interface of of you know the human 
uh, machine interface that we talked about. So I, I started a team, uh, it now has three members and we'll have more this year to start looking into research and development of, of, of how we interface in those ways, whether it's emails or websites or tools or, or the phone or, or some new technology that maybe, maybe we haven't necessarily thought of. And the one thing I regret about the COVID situation is we were going to go down to Disney, for example, in the customer experience uh, conference. And that's sort of thought, you know, a place that I think is probably doing those sorts of things that I want to see how we can bring that into what we do. Looking ahead, not looking just at where people are. Yeah. Interesting. That's fascinating stuff. And you have to start thinking, right? You're, you're in the, you just exercise the option, right? So. Right. The technology of this, a, a technology leap of this type doesn't happen tomorrow. It right. happens, it takes years and, and it's something you build upon and you test out and you try. So if we're going to, if we're going to do something new and exciting, I, I want to get it started now. We'll, we'll actually use what we find when we can in the current operational system, but we're also looking at what we can do in, in the next system. Not, and not necessarily tied to soup six, but just tied to soup as a program. Right. So the, we have about a minute and a half left or so in this segment. So can you talk a little bit about the online provider portal and what that is? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we, uh, we, we've had the contract holder you know, interface, we had the government interface, and then we realized we have 8,000 companies out there who, can, who we want to interface with. So we, we now have a, a, what we call a provider tool. Um, it is now just being used for supply chain information. Um, but we'll be using it in the future in, in, in ways for any of those companies to have a direct interface with what we are working on that, that they should have. Um, still, still in sort of in development, but it does at least give them um, access to managing who is authorized resellers of their, con- of, of their products um, directly on our site. And that, well, we're up on the break. So when we come back, you know, I want to um, touch on a, on a couple of things, just, you know, how your team responded to COVID, uh, maybe 889 a little bit, and just, um, you know, your thoughts on a renewed focus on the internal and external education and training of everybody who deals with NASA soup. And, and then just to, we'll finish up by talking about where you go in the future and your thoughts on that and the challenges from your perspective. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Joanne Whitek. She is the program director for NASA Soup, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. When the world calls for advanced electronics, we respond with C4ISR breakthroughs. When the world calls for defense from cyber threats, we provide groundbreaking cyber solutions. When the world calls for a revolution in autonomous technology, Northrop Grumman is there. At Northrop Grumman, we're constantly innovating to deliver the most effective and affordable solutions to our customers. Whether it's cyber, logistics, autonomous systems, C4ISR, or strike, that's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. To learn more, visit northropgrumman.com slash performance. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Joanne Wojtek. Joanne is the program director for NASA Soup, and NASA Soup's come off its uh, biggest year yet in terms of government purchases through their pro through the program, uh, about nine billion dollars. And again, congratulations to NASA Soup and the entire team. Uh, Joanne, um, this all happened also during the course of um, a pandemic, and I'd be interested to hear just how your your team's approach to you know shifting to uh, probably a virtual world, just like everybody else, you know, working remotely and just transitioning and handling 
operations in a, in a, in a different and fundamentally different way. So how, how'd you guys do it? <laughs> so, uh, so we, we were fortunate in that we had been working on moving our, our computing system um, into a, a better spot that we were in a, off-site building, we now have a dual system. So computer-wise, we, we had a good service system set up. Um, and, but then also, while we were primarily not teleworking at the time, we had set ourselves up within the staff to be able to telework at any given time. And, and about a year or, year or so before this COVID thing, we had a fire in our building, and we had to have an essential fire test. It was not planned. We were closed down for a week, and so we knew could do a, a um, virtual work environment and not affect our customers. So when this occurred in March and we, and we and, and got it, you know, shut, it, shut down all the facilities, we were pretty confident that we had our infrastructure set up, um, and we did. Um, we had the teams already understanding how to operate in that environment. Um, so we, it was a very smooth um, changeover. I think the biggest effects we are seeing is, is, is meetings, trainings, how to do those virtually. But the basic operation um, has, has worked very smoothly. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, uh, I'm interested in your insights real quick on this. It's just the idea of, I mean, it has worked for everybody, but there's, there is, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way. There's nothing like being in the same office, being able to walk next door and bounce ideas off you know, your peers or your coworkers, colleagues about things. And no matter what you do, seems like that's tough to replicate that. Is that, is that your sense of it? Right. Yeah. Obviously we try with virtual meetings and yeah. there's, there's a lot more of those because of that. And we do have a number of activities that occur both job related and just personal related where we allow people to kind of get together at times. My expectation as I look to the future is that, we will probably never go back to the, the way we were before, um, but I do think there's a lot to be gained by having some amount of interaction <laughs> personally. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the day when we can at least uh, get back to the office because you do lose some, um, something and you lose some. It's, it's, I think the work continues, but it's a, it's a little bit more intensive uh, because you can't just walk next door. You can ping somebody, but then that that's not quite the same. Uh, there, yeah. There's nothing that, that can change for that. Yeah, I think it's. I think the word balance. You're going to find a new balance yes. really, between, you know, work in person versus work remotely. So, and I, and I agree with you. I don't think it's ever going to be the same. And we're just going to find a new balance. So, another area that you know is top of mind of the procurement community. I think you know just in lots of areas is, is supply chain, and you know particularly Section Eight Eighty Nine. Uh, was you know was basically rolled out in regulations this year, this past year, uh, and how how is that? How, how did you handle that, and and where are you guys on that? So, um, shout out to to the wonderful contracting and contract holding relationship management team at, at Soup. Um, 140 companies, 141, you know, 200 contracts had to get updated for these clauses, um, and and we. While we were hoping that we wouldn't have to, we, we did not see the certifications occurring in a way that, that was fast enough for us. So we also went out and so we went out and first modified all the contracts to meet all the clauses that need to be in place for 889. And then we had just completed certifying all of our companies against the 889 um, 
requirements. So every one of our companies has certified themselves as meeting those 889 requirements. Um, and next week we'll, we'll, we'll be posting that. It's available now if somebody sent us an email from a government customer wanted to see that certification. But starting next week on our website, we will have that certification for each company available so it can be pulled down and put into documentation form for, for our procurement folks. Yeah, so, and just generally on supply chain, you've, you, Nessa Soup's always been a leader in terms of, you know, addressing, you know, counterfeit and, you know, and authorized dealers and things like that. Right. Did you have lessons learned from that that sort of helped in with regard to 889 or? Well, I, I think, I think it's just, we, we've always understood the importance of, of, of working again, closely with industry and then, and then how to post that information. So, um, not as not not a mandatory requirement, for example, but one that, that we are pushing more of our contract holders to do is sign up for the ISO 20243 standard, which is a supply chain standard. And we've already set up our website to notify when that's happened. So we already have a one one situation where we're telling people about it. That um, and and then you know the authorized reseller. We've also set up a, the infrastructure for how do we. Um, certify that that somebody's, that somebody's authorized and then how do we display it on our website so so we've thought about these issues 889 is a little different but it's not it, it's not totally outside the realm of things we've already done so it's been pretty quick for our technical team to change the website to add this information to what we do yeah so um i want to shift again a little uh, a little bit and i know your your sort of mantra or you know working sort of philosophy is often happy but never satisfied um, and along those lines, one of the things that I noticed in your press release about um, about uh, NASA Soup's uh, FY20 performance is that you were looking to a renewed focus on internal and external education, training, data quality, and contextual analysis. So, is that you know why are you doing? Is that part of that um, often happy, never satisfied? You got you know it's oh, that drive for excellence. Why are you focusing on those things? Right. Yeah, that definitely is, is our, our continuous drive. You know, even uh, being successful doesn't work if you don't if you don't keep working at it. Um, so our, one of the things that happened is we've, we've, our staff has grown. We're over 100 people now um, and we're virtual. <clears throat> and, and what we realized is that not everybody on staff understands the basics of, of, of the system anymore because we're not we're not sitting there next to each other talking about it. Um, we don't have a good system for for providing that that flow of. Of, of knowledge. So we're going to be more focused this year on how do we educate our internal staff, not to know every little detail of procurement, but to know, but to be, you know, knowledgeable enough that it makes sense to them where they fit into the infrastructure of, of procurement and, 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 and the suit program. So we're, we're working on, on what are the pieces that, that make that a better part, more than just their, the knowledge of what they have to know from day to day to do their job, but how do they fit into the, into the overall um, infrastructure? Um, and then um, when we talk about um, about data and, and, and analytics, um, we have a lot of data. Um, I we, we have some of the best quality of data that, that I believe is out there for, on a number of, of areas, um, and particularly about, about the products that, that are being sold, and as mentioned, the ordering information. But how do we actually build that into a, a even better structure, more easily accessible, the concept that we talked about with the CIO portal, how do we make that even more usable, um, both internally and externally? 
Um, so, so it makes, um, so it, it's the right information. I don't want to just give people data. If it's bad, bad information, it has to be the right information. So we need to really hire staff and put in tools that, that will allow for that. All right. So, um, yeah, it's, well, that's investing in your people uh, fundamentally, right? At, at the end of the day, that's what, that's make, what makes the difference. Um, so we have about a minute left and I just wanted to get, you know, think about people like to just get your personal perspective on, um, what you, you know, your challenges and what you've seen from your, in your role and sort of managing the growth of the program over the years and, and how you've done that and what you've tried to accomplish and what the challenges have been. So, so, so the parts that you just mentioned from the press release, um, that all comes from something that I used to poo-poo about, which is strategic planning. Yeah. Oh, who needs that? And, uh, and when you're 15 people, you maybe you don't need a strategic planning. And when you're, you know, dealing with a small group, you don't need it. Um, I really realized more so than ever before in the past year or two with the, the growth that we've gone through and both usage and, and staff that we needed to be strategic, not just in thought, but to really write it down and build up a plan and, and, and make sure that we can execute against it. Um, and uh, I'm, extremely happy with the results that, that the staff have put together to, to support that. Um, and, and the fact that I have a, a great staff that helps me do that, cause I'm not that type of person, but uh, so you bring the people in that, that are, and um, I, I appreciate that because we do have now a strategic plan. Um, and, and I, I hope to keep that rolling every year, uh, building it up uh, new, new mission and vision statement that we put together so we on, on to ourselves and to others that the, the, issues that you talked about, the, the concepts that we're dealing with and make sure it's clear why we're doing it to, to ourselves and others. Right. And you have, you're, presumably you're starting to think about the next iteration, right? With, with, you've exercised the option, right? So we, we, we started on, uh, as we like to say, we started that on May 1st, uh, 2020, when, right. <laughs> uh, 2015, uh, 2015 when, when, when we signed. When you it, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Soup 5 was, was started, we were starting to think about Soup 6 um, internally and, uh, Yes, and it more so now in terms of, of um, things have changed um, in, in some of the ways procurements operate, and we feel like we can come up with an even better um, vehicle in, in, as with all the knowledge that's coming out there. So, yeah, I'm probably back in a, in a year or two talking about the Super 6. Uh, oh, well, you, yeah, I'm definitely going to have back and get your thoughts on what, you know, what the future of procurement sort of looks like moving forward. Um, because there will be changes and you, you know, and you're, you and your team are going to be reacting to those changes in the market, both from a government, you know, requirements perspective, but also what's available and that connection that you create between the customer and, you know, and industry. So Joanne, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. I want to thank my guest today, Joanne Wojtek. She's program director of NASA Soup. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. 
Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.